Mm, anxiety. It can really mess up our body. So let's talk to our next guest and find out how she helps us heal anxiety. Building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Welcome, Giant Builders. Today's guest is Sarah Falk, and she actually is a four-time cancer survivor. Yay! Applause, applause. (laughs) So welcome, Sarah. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a wife and a mom of four boys and a mental health therapist specializing in treating anxiety, healing anxiety and panic disorders. Um, I'm kind of crazy about it. I like to share the information anywhere and everywhere I can. Um, And yes, I am a four-time cancer survivor and an author and I play guitar and I love summertime and dark chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I love dark chocolate. I'm about 90% cocoa. What are you? Oh gosh, you're way ahead of me. 70%. 70%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, great. Well, tell me, what are your takeaways through your cancer experiences? Yeah. So my first cancer experience was when I was 17 years old. Oh, that young. That young. So as a 17 year old high school senior, I was diagnosed um, July before my senior year of high school. And I was treated as pediatric. So they treat pediatrics very intensely, intensely. So I was inpatient three weeks out of every four. And so did not really have much of a senior year of high school. I was very angry, but learned very early on how much energy that anger requires from us and decided that that is not where I wanted to spend my energy. And my mom very wisely put the facts in front of me and said, this is what's happening for the next year. Do you want it to go like this or do you want it to go a different way? And I definitely decided I wanted it to go a different way. And so from that cancer experience, I began to understand that our hardships or our challenges are what we make of them. If I say, this is, this is it, you know, this is the end. Or if I say, this is the worst thing ever. And I just sit in that and say, cancer happened to me, then that's how I'm going to live my life. But if I say, you know what, I have cancer, but here's what I'm going to do with this and find some meaning and purpose in the midst of even the pain, then that might makes my experience completely different. And so as a 17 year old, I started working with this idea. And then again, my second cancer diagnosis as a 41 year old mom of four, um, I had to continue that work rather than saying, I thought I paid my cancer dues. Who gets two major cancers in their lifetime? You know, this kind of thing. I, I determined once again, that I was going to make it count 
that it was going to mean something, that it wasn't just going to be cancer happened to me. So that's yeah. really in all of the, all of the challenges with cancer. That's what I've carried with me. That took a lot of energy. So how did you approach this or how do you use this to teach your children? Because you have the four boys. I have three boys and yeah. I know there's so many things that in life to teach them, but I've not had to teach them the, the power to overcome cancer. Well, what I, what I say to them, because whether it's cancer or feeling left out in the lunchroom or being picked last in gym, you know, it, it, these are difficult experiences for us to go through. And so what I tell my kids is, listen, you can think about it two ways. You tell me which one sounds more powerful. Number one, things happen to me or number two, I make things happen. And they always get it right. They always know that I make things happen sounds more powerful. And so then I use that statement to say, so you can decide what that experience is going to mean for you. You can be upset. That's understandable. Who wants to be picked last? But the next time it's your turn to pick, just remember how that feels, you know, and I just try to really empower them through it and they just are going to have to practice it, you know? So I can't, I wish I could impart that to them, yeah. but I try to illustrate it in the best way I can. Oh, that's a wonderful example. Oh, great. Thank um, you. So tell me a little bit about your helping people through the, your coaching and your therapy. Yes. So when I went into, I'm a, clinical social worker. Okay. So when I went into clinical social work, I thought this is going to be great because I'm going to, I'm going to help cancer patients and their families. I know what it's like. I'm a, the perfect person to support them. And what I found was my autonomic nervous system would not allow it. I was triggered every day, all day. And I was having panic attacks, horrible panic attacks, and eventually had to just quit my job and I couldn't even leave my house at one point. So when I got to that point, I realized, Sarah, <laughs> you're teaching people how to do things. And you need to, number one, practice what you preach. But number two, really look into, really research this anxiety. What is it about? And how can you help others get over this or get through this? And so I, through my own healing process, became very passionate about sharing with other people how to heal anxiety. We're never going to get rid of anxiety. So I never use the term anxiety free because that's just not real life. We all have this stress reaction. And so I teach people what to do with it, okay. basically. And I take a very mind, body, spirit approach to this healing because we're not just a body. We're not just a sum of our feelings and thoughts. We're a soul, a body, and a brain. And so I, I like to say I know just enough brain science to be helpful. And so I like to share that a little bit about how anxiety 
you know, is it impacting the brain and what the brain, what's happening in the brain and then the body as a result of our anxiety, and then just kind of lead people through this process of developing really a more peaceful lifestyle, because we have to practice things in our daily lives that will really help us manage our stress and heal our anxiety. Okay. So define for me anxiety. Cause I'm wondering if people could like poo poo this away because they don't realize that it could be anxiety. Is that possible? Right. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think, um, and I'm stereo, I, I'm generalizing here, okay. generalizing, but I think generally men don't realize their stress. They just think, Oh, I have, I have a hair trigger temper or I, I'm just angry. Well, why are you angry? And so then when I can explain to them what that stress reaction is in the brain and how it isn't, it's an instinct. It's a survival instinct. And part of that stress reaction, we know it commonly in our daily jargon as fight or flight. Most people have heard that term. And what does that tell you? The fight. It's, that's the first word, fight. <laughs> and so um, men will come in and they'll be like, oh, that's why I'm so angry. Oh, that's why I'm not sleeping well. Oh, that's why I have stomach issues. Yeah, nine times out of 10, that is indeed the culprit. And so anxiety, the way that I talk about it, it really is to to just dial it back to our basic instinct, the survival instinct that basically wants to set off an alarm system throughout our body whenever it perceives any potential threat in our environment. But the the key here is it doesn't sort out good and bad stress. So planning your wedding, planning a vacation, those things could actually be impacting and triggering your anxiety and you're thinking, why am I, why would I be stressed about that? Mm-hmm. That's because our primitive brain does not sort that stuff out. So really even good things can be stressful. So that's how I kind of work with anxiety is, is that we all have it. It's not, it doesn't mean you're having panic attacks and you're stuck at home. Panic is it's, that's a different a different topic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. So give me a tip. All right. Let's use the example of the vacation. All right. Somebody gets all stressed or they get what you're saying is anxiety before vacation. What is something that person can do? Okay. So uh, the number one thing I think is when you start to feel anxious, I encourage all of my clients to pause, to, to notice it and pause and say, wait a minute. I know what this is. This is my stress reaction. Thank you for trying to keep me safe, but I'm not in any danger right now. And you know what? I'm going to go and enjoy packing for my vacation. So you're aware of what's happening in your body and in your mind, you're injecting some gratitude. Like we want our we want our response system. That's going to help keep us safe. So thank you for trying to keep it, keep me safe, but I'm not in any danger. And then you, you make the decision to flip the switch in your brain and just enjoy 
packing for your vacation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, let me see. Here. Let me take that another step further. Okay. Because sometimes just switching that, flipping that switch in our brain and, and starting to think differently doesn't do the trick. And here's why. Because when that cognition or that it's not even a cognition, it's a reaction. When the, the trigger is tripped in our brain that alerts the stress reaction, there is then a chain reaction throughout our body and stress hormones are released. So sometimes you may find that, okay, yeah, I changed the channel or I flipped the switch in my brain and I'm thinking about something different, but I'm still feeling agitated. So if that is the case, the number one thing you can do to help your body then to join you in enjoying the packing process <laughs> is to take a therapeutic deep breath. Ooh. And some people call it belly breath, which is great and a great way to explain to kids. But really, it is about breathing so deeply that you feel that you're actually breathing into your abdomen. So your abdomen is expanding as you breathe in and then slowly and controlled exhale and you feel your abdomen contracting. And you're doing a number of things here, but really one of the things you're doing is hopefully stimulating some nerves to activate the relaxation response. And that's just going to bring your hormones, those chemicals back into balance. And that's the goal. Okay. What would a first meeting look like with you? Well, in my counseling practice, it's different because we've got a lot of business to get through. Um, so then it would, after the business, then we would um, get into some education. Like I said, just, a, just enough brain science to, to be helpful, um, get into some of that. And then some of these common practices that I encourage people to use every single day. And then in coaching, what that looks like, and I'm really, I really love the program I've created. It's called Anxious to Energized. And again, it's because we're not getting rid of anxiety, but we're learning how to use that, that energy for good. <laughs> we're unit, use, shifting that energy, really. So what that would look like is an hour-long phone call. And I kind of, we have a little kind of get to know you and kind of hear what anxiety is like in your real life experience and what you've tried in the past that hasn't worked <laughs> or anything you've tried that has worked. And then again, I, I give that little piece of education and we focus on one particular practice at a time. And I like to really start by noticing. So the, the, I use an acronym as every okay. good, uh, every good coach does, right? And it's energy, NRG. So the first week is noticing, noticing what your triggers are, but also noticing what your soothers are. So stressors and soothers. Then the next week we are talking about releasing. And this is really a spiritual practice, in my opinion, where we're releasing things that we know we can't control. Yeah, we try to control anyway. That just impacts our anxiety. 
And we talk about that process based on where the client is at in their spiritual awareness or spiritual practices. And then we talk about growth, growth mindset versus fixed mindset, which is basically that question I ask, things happen to me or I make things happen. Mm -hmm. And we talk about what, how that can really create shifts in your life so that anxiety doesn't cripple you, but it can actually energize you. And then the last week is just setting in place those practices that the clients are planning on injecting into their lives and use utilizing going forward. And so that's what, what that program looks like. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I can see where that would be beneficial to everybody. <laughs> yes, yes. Whether, you, whether you recognize the anxiety or not, there's got to be such a peaceful energy going through. Yes. I love that process. So that's my, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I would say is, you know, in the midst of making meaning out of this second cancer diagnosis and then subsequent third and fourth mm -hmm. cancer diagnoses, I decided, well, the first, the no, not the first, the first cancer diagnosis when I was 17, I journaled. Then the breast cancer diagnosis at age 41, I blogged. Cause you know, our world was different and I decided at that time I was going to just be very bold and very open. So honestly, anything you want to know about breast cancer, <laughs> you can find in my memoir, finding myself facing cancer, but now I've released a second edition because I felt like I had to add the stories of those two added skin cancer diagnosis. And so finding myself facing cancer now has a subtitle, making meaning in the midst of multiple health challenges, because the things I've learned don't only have to do with cancer and honestly don't only have to do with health. But I think for people who have health challenges, some of our anxieties are very specific to those yearly tests or going to see the doctor again, you know, <laughs> these kinds of things. So I try to be very open, very honest. I even have a glossary of terms so that if I'm talking about a test, people can look and see, you know, what that is. So I have that available in, in audiobook and in Kindle version right now, I'm having some trouble with my print version but that should be published very soon. Oh, it'll work and out. I also, oh, what's that? It'll work out. <laughs> it will work out in perfect time too. Mm -hmm. I trust. And I have a workbook actually for people who are trying to make major medical decisions. It's called Keeping It Together, A Patient's Companion Through Decision-Making. And I just had a very hard time when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, making decisions about my health. Because when I had can bone cancer at, at 17, my parents made all the decisions for me. The doctor said what to do. My parents did it. Well, then as a 41 year old, I felt like, well, I've been in the health field, you know, a, a portion of the health field long enough to have 
had certain experiences where I was like, well, I'm not just going to take this first thing that one doctor tells me and just flat out do it. I, I need to research for myself. I need to get some other opinions and, and just think about what my value system is because any decision I make is going to impact me on a spiritual level as well as a physical level. And so I just created this workbook just out of, you know, caring for other people who are making these decisions and just feel at a loss. And it's like, you can journal through this workbook and it really is just very basic things. Even something as simple as like, who do you have in your support group? Like who could, who could drive you to appointments or who do you trust to tell you have this diagnosis? And then just kind of working through that in a journaling manner. So I feel really good about that resource as well. Oh, definitely going to share that because even today, well, especially today with the internet, there's so much information that it's just overwhelming. And I, I could see where you can get to a point where you're overwhelmed so much that you don't know how to make a decision because there's just so much information. Yes. Yes, it's so true. And when we Google things or go to WebMD, we tend to get like worst case scenario. So, I mean, re that kind of research is okay to a point, but then like you say, you know, you need to talk to some other people because the information is so plentiful and sometimes it's just not very hopeful either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. All right. Well, definitely we'll put those links below so that people can get to those easily. Any closing thoughts? I would just encourage everyone when you're feeling anxious, overwhelmed, offended, um, angry, please pause. Please pause and consider, okay, that's them or fine. This is what's in front of me. What can I do about it? What is within my power? What is within my reach to actually change right now? Because we get stuck in that hamster wheel of worry and anxiety when we hold on to bitterness, when we believe that we are optionless, um, and so again, I just encourage people to consider that, that question, do you want to live life? Things happen to me, or would you rather I make things happen? And there are things that you can change. You just need to identify them and then do it. Oh, that's wonderful information. Terry, mm -hmm. you have just enlightened me. I mean, I just feel, I just feel relieved just to talk to you oh, thank <laughs> it's you. just like oh this isn't life isn't so hard <laughs> yes you can do it <laughs> you can do it yeah you can make those changes that's right well thank you so much I appreciate your time and just your knowledge and sharing with our listeners it was wonderful absolutely thank you so much for having me all right all right Jane Builders see you either Tuesday or Thursday remember we're twice a week now thank you Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.